Hi there, my name's Laura and I'm the back half of Stella Tandem, a record-breaking attempt to circumnavigate the world on Tandem Bicycle in 2022. Um, today I'm speaking to Marcus Mumford, who has already done it <laughs> and been around the world on a tandem. Um, and as part of this podcast, we're, um, we're going to get some tips and tricks and um, find out all sorts of bits of advice. So hopefully you'll find it interesting. Uh, good morning, Marcus. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, hi, Laura. Thanks for inviting me on. It's good to chat. Great. Um, so, yes, you're a prolific tandem rider as well. Um, but have you have you always been a, a cyclist? Is is this a, a long term thing or was it something that just kind of came about, as it were, at the, at the time of the ride? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I've been a cyclist. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly when I first learned to ride a bike, but uh, always been keen on, on cycling, did a lot of mountain biking in my teens and then got into sort of road riding uh, a bit later on, a bit of triathlon um, and eventually got into to audaxing um, and, and started to enjoy the, the sort of long distance side of things. Um, and um, Kirsty is, is the stoker of, of our particular crew. Um, and, and she came to cycling probably a bit later on uh, in her life, uh, perhaps a bit influenced by myself. <laughs> um, and um, we uh, sort of started tandeming um, once we got into cycle touring. I think we, we did our first cycle tour on solo bikes and um, we enjoyed it, but perhaps there was a little bit of a speed differential. Um, so that sort of led us to the idea of perhaps choosing a tandem for our, our subsequent tours, just to sort of combine the efforts and make sure that we were traveling at the same speed and, and sort of sharing the workload as it were. Yeah, it definitely makes a big difference. It, it, it keeps you, you closer together, doesn't it? And yeah, I think me and me and Steve had the same problem where, especially, yeah, going downhill, he disappears off into the distance and I come trundling down half an hour later, <laughs> whereas I've not got a choice in the tandem. I have to keep up. With it. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I mean, how does that work? Um, is there a way of trolling the speed? Because with us, Kirsty will do a little sort of scream or a yelp, and I know that perhaps I need to start using the brakes on the downhills, but uh, do you have a similar sort of communication system? Yeah, I think it is quite similar in terms of the screams, the yells, the pleas. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I have been reduced to tears on one occasion. <laughs> Please make it Oh, stop. no. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I've, I've actually, I've, I've got the horrible temptation, whereas um, the tandem we're currently riding for, for all axis has a drum brake on it. Um, mm -hmm. And I have the the lever of the controls for it, so it's um, yeah. I, I'm under strict instructions not to touch the drum brake unless I'm specifically instructed to. Because I could think you can appreciate as captain, the last thing you need is unexpected oh, braking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our bike works the same. Yeah, we've got a little um, drag lever that Kirsty operates, yeah. but um, I'm very it's very much voice activated, so I shout <laughs> drag, and that's when she puts it on, but not a moment sooner. <laughs> Yes. So yeah, no, there's, there's certainly, yeah, some interesting challenges and did uh, I find it because um, yeah, obviously Kirsty's been a solo rider for owner corp before. Did you, do you find it odd getting on the back of the tandem? Because I, when I um, started out, I find it very strange to kind of lose that control. You can't see where you're going. You can't steer, you can't brake. Did she take some adjustment? Oh, very much so. Yeah. 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 There's, it's um, yeah. It, 
the, the lack of being able to steer. Um, I've heard about some stokers actually trying to turn their stoker bars when they're going around the corner. <laughs> we never had it quite as bad as that, but uh, certainly I think she had the temptation. Um, but because because we were on we were on the road for a couple of years, um, so during that time she hadn't ridden a solo bike, uh, hmm. maybe once or twice. But when she got back, she got on a solo bike and she forgot that she had to steer. So she was coming up to a corner. And she started to go straight on. She'd forgotten she's got to turn the oh, handle. Oh no, on. I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Six months in a tandem, I might not be able to, yeah, ride a solo yeah. bike. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something to factor in for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Fabulous. And obviously, you didn't you didn't go straight from a, a small tour to to cycling around the world. Yeah, I think you had a few trips to to build up in between. And was that kind of yeah building confidence and giving you ideas? Yeah, yeah, essentially. So I think our first tour on the tandem was something like 2011. We um, we went down through Norway, which was which incredible, great place to kind of start your tandem touring career. It's just, in fact, it's almost too good because there's very few countries that can match it. But uh, and then we and then basically every every holiday we were out out on the tandem in various parts of the world around Scotland. We we spent our honeymoon in 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 the Baltics. Uh, oh, wow. We couldn't even. Uh, um, <laughs> And a bit of time in the states um and essentially we were doing these sort of two weekish tours in in our annual leave and um it was never enough you just kind of got back from that and think well two weeks is nice but i'm just getting to the swing of things here i, w- I wonder what would happen yeah. if we went for a little bit longer um and you know it kind of gets the uh, you get the maps out and start to look at different routes and things and you, and you wonder what it'd be like to go a considerable distance so um that kind of escalated into this idea of uh, what was essentially going to be initially going to be from UK to New Zealand was our original plan. But um, over the course of the journey, that that plan kind of uh, changed for one reason or another and, and became a, around the world lap. So did you did you start set out with a kind of a set route as it were? Did you kind of because it's it's been interesting from my perspective. Starting the planning is like it's almost like where do you start? That you've got the whole world of, of roads to, to pick. <laughs> did you start out with a set route and then change it on route, or did you always know it was going to be a little bit flexible? Um, a bit of both, I suppose. We 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 had a sort of string of countries that we we knew we wanted to go through, uh, and there's an obvious kind of way to to link all of those up. Um, and there was considerations like uh, the weather. Obviously, you don't want to be high on the Pamir Mountains in the middle of winter, so you want to make sure you arrive there at the right time. Uh, and also kind of visa uh, considerations as well. So we could only buy visas in certain countries for the countries that followed. And obviously, you'd only have a, a certain amount of time in those countries as well. So you just had to, there was a certain amount of planning involved for that. But mm. the sort of minutiae of the, of the route and the exact detail was something that we worked out kind of on a weekly basis really um so we didn't kind of have a very hard and fast route but we knew exactly which road we were going to take uh we didn't know that detail till we were much nearer to each place really yeah because i think you had a, the luxury of a little bit more time than us i think it's, it's 100 um, 851 days you, you spent away yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah quite a different style <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying six months are you gosh that is that's super speedy yeah yeah so yes we, we, 
we're, we're going fast because we're obviously after the record as well but yes it will be a bit of a, mm. a whistle stop tour to, to say the least and then hopefully I mean our thought is this is you know just the, the prelude as it were so we can pick off the, the best places and go back again at a steadier play, pace uh, right. okay. it's, it's almost like a recce mission yeah, it's just a, a recce just a for, recce. for more. <laughs> yeah brilliant I think so yeah I, yeah, I, I have the suspicion that um, this won't kind of quell our tra- travelling bug it'll probably just whet no. our appetite for it <laughs> No way. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, and then you kind of you went through 46 countries as well, didn't you? So you, you kind of covered a fair chunk of the mm. world. Um, just get, remind me again, which kind of what areas, I don't necessarily list all, all of them unless you can, but um, which kind of <laughs> countries and areas did you travel through? So, um, yeah, so although we were initially heading for New Zealand, we started by going north, so went up into Scandinavia um up into uh sweden finland and then down through the the baltics eastern europe um across turkey the caucasus uh the fantastic boat across the caspian sea to uh, hey, kazakhstan the and then all through yeah. central asia <laughs> yeah 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 that was uh i mean you've probably heard stories about it but it, it took about six days of almost camping out at the ferry office before we managed to secure yeah. a ticket. Uh, I don't think that'll be an option was, for us. Like 30 hours. No, no. Yeah. It's like 30 hours on a boat with a, a train full of um, frozen chicken. Oh, wow. Georgians. <laughs> oh, but, uh, anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, across, across Central Asia, following the, the, the fabled Silk Road, um, Pamir Highway, then it was a flight to India to go up through the Himalayas, um, across Nepal, and then Southeast Asia through Myanmar, across China, um, Korea, Japan, across the States, back into Lisbon, and then the home straight up through Europe. Amazing. And you started in Bristol, I think, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah Bristol yeah. to Bristol, so, basically. So you, you Keeping literally, easy to get back to Bristol, that was the yeah. plan. Yeah, joined the links, didn't you? Which I think is really, really cool. We'd love to We'd love to say we were riding from our front doorstep and coming back round, but the, the challenge of undertaking kind of precludes that in terms of extra ferries and transport and mm. things. But yeah, that's, that's very cool. Uh, so where is your start point? Um, we are thinking um, Berlin and the the Brandenburg Gate is a bit of a ode to okay. Jenny Graham, but we've got family in in Germany, so yeah, that's the that's oh, that'd the be great, yeah. <laughs> that's really, yeah, I'll be uh, just a really really cool place to start and finish. Um, yeah, I did the Berlin Marathon years ago now, and and you finish coming through Brandenburg Gate, and that, that was properly emotional experience. So it'd be yeah, even more that. so for you, I should think. <laughs> Yeah, I think Mark Beaumont did the um, Champs-Élysées, but I think on a standard day, I think no matter what time, day or night, I, th- I think the traffic would be pretty terrifying. So, yeah, yeah Brandenburg Gate it will be. Cool. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of covered so much and saw so much. Um, you have, Well, you didn't on that trip, you didn't go through kind of Australia, Africa, anything like that. Is those places you've been to before or those places that you you might go to in the future um is there kind of still parts of the world that are left as it were (laughs) yeah i mean yeah we didn't we didn't cross the equator so we've we've got the whole of the southern hemisphere still to explore um and it's it's very much on the agenda very much so um uh we we 
we've got plans this year, but uh, it's looking less and less likely that, that we'll be able to do yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, we, South America is, is very much on the hit list. We'd love to get down that way and, uh, and go and explore that part of the world. Yeah, it's uh, really exciting. You've got the second, <laughs> you know, lower half of the world to go, haven't you? So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but even so, I mean, um, even if we were to do the same trip again, maybe just one mile either side of of where we 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 went the first time, it'd be a completely different experience. I mean, that that's that's the joy of of traveling by bike. It's never the same uh, two rides in a row. So uh, we'd be happy to do the same route again. I think (laughs) you just see how much has changed. Yeah. And were there any kind of standout bits on that route? Were there bits you, you'd go back to or even were there bits that you think, do you know what, I've, you know, I'm not fussed for going there again kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. So many highlights. But, and and uh, we, we love the mountains. So uh, Pamir Highway w- was oh, no. was really special for us. Um, just just the remoteness of it. You're sort of 100 kilometres between any sort of settlements mm. and you're surrounded by these sort of seven and a half thousand meter mountains so that was that was particularly uh, amazing and, and beautiful people i think with, with the whole trip although we saw some incredible landscape um it's the characters and the cultures that we experienced that probably stuck with us the most uh, and the kindness you know you hear about it all the time but um just humans are inherently amazing th- creatures and, and incredibly yeah. kind as well so um yeah we were just so grateful and humbled by the uh, the hospitality that, that, that we uh, encountered as we went yeah and that seems to be the take-home message from anybody that does something like this is is just that the people that yeah that really make it so yeah there's a, a lot of good humanity out there um obviously the Pamir highway is yeah, sure. it's um it's quite quite a, a feat it's quite a, a high road to take um we always find <laughs> on on tandem that hills are a bit of our nemesis and as much as we you know we're keen to give them a shot we it's it noticeably takes us a lot longer um climbing up hills on the tandem than it would do on on solos was that something that you found but it was the kind of the the, the challenge and the views were worth it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a funny thing with tandems. You, you kind of think two pairs of legs, you should be able to go twice as quick, but it, it just doesn't seem to work on the climbs. And obviously you guys, are, you're a strong crew, aren't you? You've got some a pretty serious pedigree behind you. Um, so it's interesting that you're finding this, the same thing. Um, so you just have to be patient with it and just accept that you are going to be a bit slower going up the hills, but coming down the other side, there's nothing that can catch a free-laden tandem. You can really pick <laughs> no, up some serious speed. Yes, I saw somebody on a tandem group recently trying to argue that no, no, there's no difference whatsoever going uphill on a tandem. I thought, mm, yeah, I'm not so not quite so sure about that. So I'm glad you you agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. What it, I, I kind of put it down. I think everyone has a different pedal stroke, and, and the places where they apply the power is slightly different, and it's just almost impossible to synchronize that. So. Uh, you're almost working against each other when you're going up the hill even if you're both a, a strong rider yeah and there's definitely energy loss when you're, you're changing down gears and i don't know how kirsty does but i have to i have to either listen for the steve to tell me when he's changing gear or i listen to the click of the the um, gear lever because uh, okay to take the weight off the pedals otherwise you end up grinding and yeah i'm yeah. Sure, pretty sure there's a, a loss of energy there too so yeah yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> definitely makes a difference and then 
what kind of response did the tandem get? Because you know, I've heard stories of places like India and things like that. Anybody bikepacking gets a lot of interest. And but was that any different on the tandem? Do you think you kind of got more interest, or was it a bit of seen as a bit of an unusual uh, quirk? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I. I loved about the fact that we were on a tandem is just the uh, the curiosity that you get from people and and uh, yeah people are just so intrigued I mean even in the UK a tandem's an unusual yeah, thing you park it up and like is not someone come and have a word but um, I mean when you're in the middle of India as a westerner you get a lot of attention but two westerners on one bike and the whole village comes out and you are you're surrounded we had babies being handed to us for oh. photographs, tribal chiefs coming out and welcomed into their homes oh, and things. Wow. It was, uh, <laughs> but but there, was, there, there was almost universally a, a way of approaching the tandem, but it, we, almost, we saw it in almost all countries. So the first thing someone would do would be to turn the pedals just to see how they were joined together because they were kind of intrigued by the, the way the timing chain worked. Um. Um, then they would pick up pedals because they, they weren't sure about the SPDs, the, the clipless pedals. They were kind of seeing how those worked. Yeah. Um, and then they would they would always squeeze the tires to see how <laughs> what the tire pressure was like. And they would give you the thumbs up. We, we used to call that the calibrated pinch. They obviously were able to tell okay, that it was the right yeah. tire pressure just by squeezing it. <laughs> Uh, and then the final thing is we had a little horn on the on the handlebars. And once they'd done all of that, they would inev inevitably kind of give us a little cheeky look and then squeeze the horn. Um, <laughs> and that was the same almost in every country. Someone, if you left the tandem long enough, all of those things would happen. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fabulous. And yeah, I definitely, even in the UK, you get a fantastic response, don't you? So I think, mm. yeah, it would be, be quite a novelty the world round. Um, and then do you think it kind of presented kind of any challenges in terms of, you know, being one bike two people there's kind of less room for luggage and things like that isn't there really yeah yeah the luggage thing is probably the, the biggest disadvantage so um we had we had four panniers but the front panniers were were rear sized panniers mm. instead of the, the smaller ones you normally have on the front of a touring bike and then we had a rack bag so almost half the capacity that you'd have if you were on two solos um but in a way, that's a good thing. I mean, everyone says with touring, you know, take only what you can't do without, not what you think you could do with. Um, so it really kind of focuses your mind to say, right, do I actually need this extra jumper or whatever it might be? And you just kind of hone your gear down and, and make sure that whatever you've got is as small and compressible as possible. So although we had kind of limited capacity, those panniers were absolutely solid <laughs> with gear. You could not get another sort of square centimetre of stuff in there. Yeah, and it's, it is the case, you know, the more room you've got, the, you tend to fill it, don't you? So mm. it does put, put a limiter on that. I saw yeah, you've yeah. got, um, uh, instead of kind of two sleeping bags, you've, you had a, a kind of a, a joint quilt, which I thought was quite a good space saving idea oh, yeah. As well. yeah probably one of our favorite bits of kit actually um <laughs> i'm definitely gonna look into this <laughs> yeah yeah ours was made by a company called enlightened equipment which is an american firm and um they kind of pioneered this idea i think but uh it yeah it, it it's super warm but it was the size was the same as a single sleeping bag mm. um and you you kind of lash your, your, your two sleeping mats together and, and both snuggle underneath it and 
you have the benefit of, of sharing your body warmth. I think that was the other big thing. Um, but actually, it was it was a lot warmer than two two people in two sleeping bags because you, you've got that heat together. So uh, yeah, we yeah. found that before with with double sleeping bags. But the the one we've got is for kind of walking trips and it's absolutely massive so i don't think it would fit in a pannier so yeah i think a quilt could be a really good um, Mm. tandem touring tip as it were for sure definitely (laughs) can't recommend it enough (laughs) (laughs) and then um it's something we get asked all the time as well that you know traveling with with your partner as it were is kind of challenging to itself but you know is it is it just something you're, you're just kind of used to living in each other's pockets spending all that time together and you just kind of roll with the the ups and the downs is is that something that's it's just kind of second nature yeah to? i mean it, it it's it's you've probably heard the phrase that um whichever direction your relationship is going a tandem will get you there quicker um, i haven't actually that's fantastic if you're not <laughs> Uh, right. Oh, gosh. I, put all the I need that on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So, um, and it, it's very true. And, and yeah, it, it, you know that you've got no escape, essentially. So there are days where perhaps we were pretty quiet and there wasn't much said because <laughs> there had been some sort of argument, but you just got to go with it. And, and, and you know that within, by the end of the day, once you've had a cup of tea or something, then it's all sorted itself out, really um but yeah you've got to be flexible with each other and um uh and know that there needs to be a few compromises to to make sure that the crew works smoothly essentially yeah definitely yeah it's a yeah even even the low point sometimes you just need to shut up and ride on don't you and <laughs> it all comes back around again doesn't yeah it? So, no, yeah and, and i think that that's probably a good thing if you're two solo bikes in that situation so I might get in a half and go riding off into the, into the distance, which would probably exacerbate the problem. But yeah. the fact that you, you can't get more than a metre away from this person means that you've got to work it out and just, yeah. just <laughs> catch it and get on with it. Yeah, I think I've had a sense of humour failure on a, an Audax before and been on solos and tried to ride away from Steve in a massive half for him only just to catch up with me, which made me even more livid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think potentially, potentially, yeah, it just makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, wow. but, um, yeah, potentially, if we'd been on tandem, I might have been a bit better behaved. <laughs> um, so I, I also want to know because you, you've um, you've organised some old axes as well, haven't you? Which um, we've talked mm-hmm. about a few times on this podcast, but essentially the long distance rides without that competitive element. There's a, a time limit, but there's there's no prizes for for the speed, isn't there? Um, and yeah, we've yeah. been a bit restricted <laughs> recently, but yes, I just yeah, it's been a know, shame. Yeah. Um, a bit more about those and whether that's something you, you might be able to start up again because they sound like good rides there certainly seems to be a heavy um emphasis on on the cake provided which oh yes <laughs> i mean that, that, i think that when i first did my first audax it was a ride which it doesn't happen anymore but it was called the cotswold corker so it started just like south cheltenham and basically took you up every steep hill in the area um and there, there was two things that kind of struck me about that ride one was the old boys that were doing it were the ones who just got on with it and, and were as quick as any of us young lads because we kept getting lost we didn't have to use the route cards or whatever and this old guy in the riding helmet just kept going past us um but the other thing was that um all of the feed stations were manned by um wi and scout groups and whatever and you, you kind of walked into this um 
this village hall and this table just be groaning with home-baked cakes uh, and I thought well, this this is the kind of event that I could get interested in you know <laughs> you're riding a long way in beautiful countryside and eating your own body weight and cake I mean what's not to like about that um, so uh, not long after getting into the scene um, a friend and I decided we, we'd quite like to to put an event on because we were living in Bristol at the time and there weren't actually that many events around Bristol um, for some reason okay. so um, we uh, yeah we set up this route it was called um, Barry's Bristol Ball Buster and Barry's <laughs> Bristol Bash with the two routes uh, which is a bit of a kind of Mickey take on some of the the, uh, the stupid names that, that were around at the time um, and, and we employed or, or recruited the local WIs to provide the catering at the, the control points Mm. um and and tried to outdo the Cotswold Corker with him out of cake so oh, um wow, quite quickly goodness. it gained a reputation <laughs> for being a good ride but with fantastic catering so uh, it's, yeah it became quite popular <laughs> Amazing. Um, but uh, yeah we are not sure we'll do it this year we're thinking of maybe doing some sort of virtual events where um people can ride the route in their own time obviously within the government guidance uh, and yeah but when people enter we'll issue them with a, a cake recipe so they can bake their own cake <laughs> and gorge themselves on that and, <laughs> when they get back <laughs> yeah the fuel fueling is is very important and um yeah it's, it's skipping back again now but um how did how did you find that kind of on the on the world travel as well? There's obviously a lot of different cuisines, but did you manage to keep yourself well stoked up with cake all the way around? Yeah, the the the, the quality of the cake varied quite considerably. Uh, certainly, right. Central Asia <laughs> they weren't they weren't big on on their cakes. Um, mm. In Central Asia, you had sort of I think it was about three or four different um, dishes. So it was either plov, which is rice with with fatty mutton on top or yeah. uh, manti which is a kind of rice dumpling or no, a sort of dough dumpling with fatty mutton inside uh then there's lag mac which is kind of noodles with with fatty mutton on the top so um if you didn't like mutton then you're probably going to struggle um but I, th I think f for us we're not too picky with our food and mm. so you just have to go with the local cuisine and, and get what you what you can find um and I hope think... there's enough calories in it to keep going really yeah cycle touring I think you know it's it's a whole other level of challenge if you you start getting picky about what you eat isn't it it's and yeah similar long mm, old access yeah, to you kind sure. of you take what you're given and you're usually extremely thankful for it and um it's no time yeah, that food yeah, tastes definitely. better when you know you're exact absolutely exhausted after a hard day so Yes, I think anything goes to something, doesn't it? We, we would always make sure we'd always make sure that we had uh, an emergency Snickers in our uh, in our sandbags. <laughs> so yes, um, having a look through your um, various pages, social media, and things, you've got some other pretty exciting plans on on the horizon as well. Um, and, and yes, I think Lee Jog um, as a bog, it seems to be kind of um, something you still have in the pipeline. <laughs> What's that uh, yeah, about? Like, like, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, actually with the Audax that we talked about earlier, um, one of the great things that, that we do with that is, is to raise a bit of money for charity. And um, I've been a supporter of WaterAid for, for quite some years because I just love what they do really it's just a, 
a very simple idea to make sure that people have got clean water and decent toilets. So um, yeah, quite like to raise money for them. Um, so for my next journey, one thing I wanted to, well, there's a couple of things I wanted to do. One was mm. to explore the UK a little bit more, because uh, we always say now you go, go around the world and see all these amazing places, but perhaps don't spend enough time exploring your backyard. Um, so I wanted to do a UK based trip, but also something a little bit slower um yeah. so actually something on foot a kind of change of change of tempo and a change of mode of transport so i thought well let's uh let's run from land's end to john o'groats i'm hoping perhaps this this autumn i'll be able to do it Fantastic. um so i'll be running and and kirsty will be on her solo bike carrying all the gear um <laughs> which to be honest sounds like the harder yeah i'm not sure that's... Deal, to be honest. <laughs> yeah that's not the easy, uh, yeah the easy end of things is it yes because yeah we we cycled it last year and yeah i think that especially like trying to keep pace with the runner as well because there'll obviously be any certain points you can intersect and things like that so yeah wow mm. so yeah that's definitely something we'll keep an eye out for and it sounds sounds very exciting um yeah and... it should be fun <laughs> amazing and then um you've also just um recently had your your chapter come out in the biggest book of yes as well which um is something that i'll i'll look into which is is it um short stories from various adventurers that seem to be the the kind of tagline for it yeah yeah i don't know if you're aware of the yes tribe it's a um group set up by a chap called dave cornthwaite who's done sorts of interesting journeys on various forms of transport yeah um, but it's it's a facebook group that sort of encourages people to uh, uh kind of push their limits and uh and try exciting stuff um so they've they've had a a trilogy of books uh and the final one was was the biggest book of yes <laughs> uh and and basically different people from this yes tribe came together to write a, a chapter on different different exciting stuff that they've done um and I was lucky enough to be picked to be one of the authors um so it gave me a chance for, to, to write about our trip but it was it was actually quite difficult to sort of condense two and a bit years down to whatever it was three or four thousand words but uh, it gave yeah, a little, gives a little bit of a snapshot of, of, of what we got up to but uh, yeah. it was really fun I, you know I wrote a blog while we were out uh, out traveling, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, yes, kind of, I'm part way uh, through that. There's um, there's so much information in there. It's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad someone's <laughs> reading it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I love the title as well. The title is it's, She's Not Peddling on the Back, which is um, something that, yes, I've heard many a time. <laughs> quintessential tandem phrases, isn't it? So. And again, that that's international. Um, mm. Oh, great. Where, where people spoke <laughs> English, you could hear them wait. saying it. But but even in countries where we couldn't speak the language, if someone shouted, like, you're pretty certain that's what they were shouting. That's what they meant. The... <laughs> yeah. we, we even had this this um, encounter, I think it was in Colorado, and um, we were we were chatting to someone on the side of a road and explaining about our website, this, why it's called She's Not Peddling on the Back, but mm. everyone always thinks that Kirsty's not peddling and as we were going through this conversation someone just walked past us saw the tandem looked up and says oh I bet she doesn't have to do anything there does she it's <laughs> <Ace> in point <laughs> it's in kind of tally or something like that but yeah, yeah so. <laughs> 
it's yeah good to know the same concepts all the all the way around the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh dear, fantastic. Um, so just as we finish off, I've got some kind of tandem trivia um, that uh, you will have uh, obviously answered the first question already, which is, have you ever ridden a tandem? But it's less applicable. <laughs> um, I then usually go on to, to ask people who they would um, want to ride a tandem with, who'd be like their, their dream partner on a tandem. And obviously you would have to say Kirsty, but if it wasn't Kirsty, who else would you <laughs> would you put on your tandem? Um, <laughs> if it could be anybody in the world, alive or dead, you know, sporting or not. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, it's, it, that is a tricky question and not something I've really considered before because obviously Kirsty is the, uh, the perfect stoker, but uh, <laughs> Probably a close second would have to be someone who's, who's quite chilled out, who, who you know you're going to get on with, because that's really the most important thing. So I'd have to say someone like the Dalai Lama on the back of a tandem. Oh, would that'd be pretty uh, cool, yeah. That, that would make for a good crew. And <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of I don't know much power. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, <laughs> not the most powerful, but yeah, in terms of um, you're going to come away from that trip enlightened, aren't you, mm. essentially? <laughs> and on that basis, would you, would, you, would you have him on the back or the front? Would you be Stoke or oh, captain? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to relinquish the captain, <laughs> to be honest. So, um, uh, yeah, I, th I think I put him on the back, on the back. Uh, yeah. Because he's going to need to be shaking hands with people as he goes, doing all yeah, this kind that's of um, good point. Yeah. Alan Armour stuff. So I think that's the most sensible place for him. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Um, and then we we often say we're kind of joined by the frame um, in an inseparable sense that like on your your trips is there anything that you're kind of joined by the frame to is there anything that you can't live without um when you're kind of touring and traveling and things like that be it a bit of kit or we've already mentioned the snickers bars so it might be <laughs> it might be the snickers bars but mm. is there anything yeah snickers like bar, definitely. A, <laughs> a key item um I, oh my leatherman pen knife yeah, yeah absolutely essential yeah yeah that's uh, i must have used certainly every little bit that it's got but all the little tools that unfold um many many times you know the saw could be used when you uh, buy a loaf of bread makes a great bread knife yeah um i've had to file down chain rings um oh, yeah it's <laughs> uh, and I, I was heartbroken in in japan because um i realized i'd left it behind at one of our camping sites and oh. didn't realize till two days later um so i managed to get a train back to to where we'd left it uh, uh and there it was it was just lying in the middle of this park on a bit of grass in plain sight next to a footpath i don't know how many people would have walked past it but uh, yeah in any other country that would have been long gone but luckily yeah. it was japan where where people are just far too polite to go picking things up like that up oh so that's was, amazing uh, you got it back yeah <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and one last question which i'm, I'm hoping you you'll know the answer to but why should we ride around the world on a tandem uh it, it's like we said before the, the reaction that you get on a tandem is like nothing else um so like it's great but but a tandem is something special um and you will come back uh, stronger as a couple and your experiences be that much more uh incredible due to that wonderful machine that is your tandem 
Oh, that's amazing. That's so good to hear. Um, thank you so much, Marcus. Yeah, you've made me feel very, very excited about, about this, this. Well, I'm now. excited for you as well. I can't <laughs> wait to follow the journey. Oh, thanks so much. Yes. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you get, get up to down the road too. So Cheers. thank you Cheers. again. <laughs>